God bless you. This is Pastor Paul from the Way Family Church. We welcome you to our podcast, Keeping It Real. Uh, we want to invite you to tune into this uh, podcast uh, any chance you get. Every week, we're going to be re uh, putting up new new teachings, new questions, new, new answers. We also want to encourage you to uh, watch us live on Facebook and, and interact there. You can put up questions there as well. So we are going to be doing this, answering your questions. So be thinking uh, of good Bible questions. Maybe there's something that you've, that you've never been able to get answered. Uh, I may not be able to answer it, but we will try our best or point you to someone that can. So just to let you know that, that we have this broadcast and we want you to tune in and let everybody know that we're here. Keeping it real. God bless you. The next broadcast. So the topic for the next few weeks and maybe this month is it's all about Jesus. And uh, Jesus, I believe, is on every page of the Bible. Every, 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 every say it's all truly about Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I wanted to, to read a scripture though, if, if I may. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to have some questions right now. Ryan's going to, uh, uh, is the producer of, of this program, and he's going to uh, feed, uh, give me some questions in just a minute as soon as I get started. But I wanted to say that, um, that in terms of, of scriptures, uh, the answers that I'm giving are based on my understanding of the scriptures. And, uh, and for that reason, uh, I don't want anybody, I even tell people uh, this at church, don't take my word for anything. You have to search it out yourself. And I may answer a question or read and make a comment on, on a verse, and it may, it may uh, be a little bit different than, than what you believe or what you understand. Personally, me, uh, I am not gullible, but I am teachable. And so uh, I'm always open and yielded to adjust and expand my understanding and even my interpretation of the scriptures. Otherwise, we get locked in and we really can't grow in our understanding. Uh, somebody said, you know, excuse me um, uh, with, with the facts, I've already made up my mind. We don't want to do that. We want to have an understanding of who Jesus is, but we don't want, want it to be, you know, number one, locked in where we can't grow in our understanding of, of Jesus. And so uh, it truly is all about Jesus. I wanted to read a scripture here, and it's, it's in um, Acts chapter 17, and it says that the, verse 11. Um, I learned this from uh, Chuck Missler, who since has gone, gone to be with heaven. This is one of his favorite verses. It says that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they searched the scriptures readily uh, to see uh, whether or not these things were so. Uh, the context of that is that Paul was the one that was teaching them uh, in Berea, and uh, the Bereans were, were validating or confirming Paul's teaching uh, about Jesus. And so they searched the scriptures. I think that that's one of the problems that, that we as American Christians, if I can say this in, in a nice way with a smile, that we're, we're pretty lazy and we're pretty gullible in that 
we just take the preacher's word for words for it. That's why there's so many cra crazy beliefs out there, and and um, so uh, it's because we we expect the preacher to know what he's talking about, and that's not to say that I don't know what I'm talking about because I do, but like I said, the I'm not infallible, and the word infallible means without error. If if I've got my definition right on that word, infallible means without error. Uh, I am not infallible. So that's why you have to search the scriptures and when we give you references, we want you to, to read that and, and, and to, um, to grow in that. Uh, in terms of, of who Jesus is or it's all about Jesus, it truly is all about Jesus. And so um, the, the, greatest, the greatest thing in, in all of life um, I, I'm, is knowing Jesus. Paul said uh, in Philippians chapter 3 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suf sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And so um, I, I want to bring up the, the point here that Paul had already known him. Uh, and he had, he had seen miracles, you know, he'd, he'd raised the dead and he had all these wonderful experiences. But there's an amazing thing about Jesus, and I, I think this all to myself all the time and even tell the Lord, that uh, the more I pursue to know him, the less I realize I know. I, in other words, he gets, Jesus gets so big as a person. And so that's, and so it, it just makes you realize, you know this man, this this person, is 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 awesome, and the more we seek to know him, the more we find out. The more we realize that that we are just barely scratching the surface. So to me, the most important thing in life, and everything revolves around that, is the pursuit of knowing the person of Jesus Christ. I want to make another. A point about that is that not pursuit of knowledge for the sake of argument of who Jesus is, uh, like apo apologetics, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking about intimacy with him as a person. Uh, there's a danger and I think I think the first stage of, of knowing the scriptures, of learning about the scriptures, is we tend to learn verses, we tend to learn the letter of the law. Um, which is which is entry point but eventually we begin to realize that behind all these words is a person and so uh, that it's the person of Christ and so if we have time uh, today or maybe next week we're going to talk a little bit about the person of Christ and so Ryan at any point you know if you want to shoot out a question based on and so who is Jesus like a lot of Christians are, are people that are non-Christians that come into church they hear that word they've heard that word probably most of their lives especially in america because it's it, it's discussed so much but they don't really know like the actual that he was real that he was an actual biblical and and historical person so try to speak a little bit on that okay uh uh, historically, um, and that has not been a lot uh, of my study uh, about him, but I do remember a little portion of, uh, from Josephus, who was a, a Jewish uh, historian, and he said he talked about Jesus, and, and I think he even used the word, if you could call him a man, because he, Jesus was just so awesome historically that even jo uh, Josephus uh, 
felt that it was very possible that he could be more than a man. So that's historically, and you can go, uh, you know, in your own studies uh, historically uh, about Jesus. But in terms of biblically, uh, who is Jesus? I ha- I have a, a, a scripture here, um, and and a statement that I want to read. As the Son of God, He was and is eternal, meaning. As the Son of God, Jesus never had a beginning because He's God. God God is eternal. And as the Son of Man, He was born in Bethlehem. Um, and so, for instance, it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For and, and I want you to notice the words uh, uh, about this. And if, if let me see, I, I think Isaiah, and some of you scholars out there, you, you might correct me, it's okay. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Isaiah wrote this uh, 500 or 1,000 years. I'm not sure which one it is, but uh, uh, quite a number of years before Jesus was ever born. And it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And so Jesus was fully God and fully man. I heard somebody say that he was, he was fully man as if that's all he was. And he was fully God, as if that's all he was. And yet, Jesus was, and I don't understand fully how, how this came to be. It's the miracle of the incarnation. But somehow, uh, deity and humanity merged into this person that we call Jesus. And this scripture says, for unto us a child. And so that would be Jesus, the child that was born. But as the son... The son was never born. And this may, this, some people may, uh, you know, tweak a little bit on that. The son was never born because the son is, is God and God can't be born. And so the child is born, but the son, the son of God was given. And then it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Notice it's calling him God. This person, this child that is born is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9-7. Then it goes on to say, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with, with judgment and with justice from henceforth and forever. So he's going to eventually set up uh, a, an e- a everlasting kingdom here on earth. So that's what I want to bring out is the fact that Jesus, who is he? And we're going to read some scriptures here in, in, in a moment if we get that far, that even the demons recognized who, who he was. They recognize where he came from in terms of walking this earth, his city of origin, but they recognized him also as the son of God. So I, I had a question come up um, a couple weeks ago from a person that has been in the church, that has known Christ, that it's been a Christian for a while, but they didn't know that Jesus the Son was actually before he was actually born. Like mm-hmm. he was mentioned in the scripture numerous times before he was actually took on the flesh of man. Um, and so I was explained by actually my mom, which is another pastor, um, that he was the word 
like Jesus was the word. And so when in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were strolling through the garden, somebody was with them. Could that possibly have been Jesus? Well, I want to make a dis distinction if I can. Mm -hmm. um, first, first Corinthians 10, four says, and they did all drink of the spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock <clears throat> that followed them. And then it says, and that rock, it doesn't say he was Jesus. And I don't want to con confuse you, but I want, I want you to know that if he was born as Jesus, then, then he couldn't have been before as Jesus. As, in other words, Jesus the man was born and he had a beginning. Christ the son, which was the one that, that walked with Adam and Eve in, in, in the garden, and the one that you know, uh, um, had visited um, uh, Gideon, uh, possibly wrestled, wrestled. What about the one that was, showed up in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Very possibly was Christ, the son of God. And so you have uh, pictures of Jesus and visitations of Christ, rather. In, in the Old Testament. And so this says that that rock that for the, um, of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So Christ was in the Old Testament. He was the one that the son that was given, but he didn't become Jesus until the angel gave the announcement to Mary. And then, and then the human being of Jesus, the family of man somehow uh, merged in, and we call it uh, the Immaculate Conception. Going back to my old Catholic days, uh, the Immaculate Conception, which was a conception, but it was miraculous, and we're, we're going to be reading that as as well in just a little bit. So, um, uh, does that does that explain that all, or do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, another question would be like, what? Regarding Jesus, like he died on the cross. So what? What is the basic, the big, basic purpose of him dying on the cross for us? Yes, the basic purpose of Jesus dying on the cross is, if you really want to know that answer, to me one of the foundation scriptures is in the book of Romans, beginning at verse twelve. Um, really, Adam's sin is not talked much about in Scripture until Paul talks about it in the book of Romans and begins to talk about that. But we're talking about the basic reason why Jesus went to the cross. So going back to the fact that Jesus, that Christ was, was and is the Son of God, He always was the Son of God, but that he was birthed into the human family and he actually came here to represent man. But because of the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin, which, which was prophesied in Isaiah as well, chapter seven, uh, meant that he was fully, he was human like we are, but he didn't have any sin in his blood. Had Joseph fathered and, and gave, been his legitimate blood father, then that would have made Jesus just like any of us. And so, so the bloodline would have been uh, 
for better words, tainted. Tainted with because, sin. With sin, because every human is sin. So that's why he had to be born of a virgin. So he didn't have the the tainted blood of a sinner. Right. And so I, I have a saying, a sinking ship cannot save a sinking ship. Had he been a sinner like the rest of us, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't have done us much good. Because he would have been in, in the same um, sin problem as us. But he was born sinless. And the scripture reference is Romans 5.12. Read that, study that, the, Romans 5.12, all the way down to, into the 8th chapter of Romans. It really brings out a beautiful principle. But Romans 5.12 teaches us, this is going back to answer that question, why Jesus went to the cross and what happened at the cross. It's Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin came into the world. Well, that lets me know that if sin can come into the world through one man, then righteousness could come into the world through one man. See that? So, by wherefore, as by one man, sin came into the world and death by sin. So if one man can bring sin, if one man can bring death, then it is possible under certain circumstances, such as the virgin birth, that another one man could bring um, righteousness and bring life into the world. And so uh, to abbreviate answering that, a lot of us really don't understand or we really need to appreciate what took place in the Garden, in the garden of Eden. That was huge. What, what Paul teaches in Romans 12 or the book of Romans rather, is that when Adam fell, that wasn't just him falling. Uh, going back again to, to uh, the doctrine of original sin, the Bible teaches that Adam's sin became my sin. I wasn't in the garden, you weren't in the garden, but you are held responsible with Adam because he represented you. His his sin became your sin, it became my sin. Well, on that same principle, as long and we know that Jesus lived a sinless life, now he goes to the cross. That is, is, is the cross is, is a legal um, action. What happened in the Garden of Eden was legal. We were held responsible for that. So when Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross legally, that was you on the cross. That was me on the cross. And, and we were judged uh, uh, as, as guilty through, in Christ. So that's why we don't have to be judged by God anymore because we were already judged uh, by Christ. So when Jesus died, legally, I died. And when Jesus was buried, legally, you were buried. When Jesus was made alive and raised up, you were made alive and raised up. And where Jesus sits in the heavenly realm, you and I sit with Christ in the heavenly realm. So we basically have two families, one family headed by Adam, and then another family headed by what Paul calls the last Adam. And so that last Adam, Jesus, is our representative. He paid for our sin, died for us. So we're not just talking about forgiveness, we're talking about uh, justification as well. So, say what's up to Michael down in San Bernardino. What's up, Mike? Hey, Michael. So, um, 
Okay, so we know that Jesus had to come through a non-tainted bloodline. We know that his dying on the cross was a legal action. So, um, I guess, like, why the cross? Why did it have to be the cross? You know what I was thinking about that today? If God wanted to impress the world, he probably would have thought about another another way. He could have had Jesus, he could have had Jesus like come down on some spectacular fire and angels and all kind of stuff and the world would have looked at him. But uh, the Bible talks about the foolishness of the cross. It's an offense. And so the, the, Christ is even called a stumbling stone. Some people, they don't want anything to do with the cross because it's shameful. And so, uh, you know, I don't know the full answer to that, but I do know that, that in God's way, the only way that he could pay for our sin is, is by identifying with what sin brings. And sin brings shame. And so Jesus died without any clothes on and his arms extended. And I can't prove this and I've never heard this before, but there is a scripture in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where it's at, but it says as far as the east is from the west, so have I removed your sins. Something tells me that because everything is all is, is in perfect pattern. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the if the, the direction that his arms were extended on that cross were east and west to symbolize that our sins, that your sins, guilt, and all of our past was removed, even from the Father's remembrance. And so, in, in, the, in the fact that the cross uh, was was Jesus wasn't wasn't on the ground standing you know, suffering, he was held up as a bridge between heaven and earth. And so he, he is the perfect connection. When Adam and Eve sinned, earth went into rebellion against God. When Jesus went to the cross, he made it legally possible for earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so one day, earth will be fully reconciled to God. And so there's, there's so much symbolism, so, so many beautiful types on the cross, so. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll think of some more questions while we're talking. <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, it, it is an absolute uh, a beautiful thing uh, for what Jesus did for us on, on the cross. And uh, the mere fact that um, sin brought death um, you know, when, let's talk about the resurrection for, for a moment. Um, anytime Jesus mentioned the cross, he said, but on the third day, I will rise again. Um, God not only took care, when Jesus went to the cross, he not only took care of the sin issue, but you really can't answer the sin problem without dealing with what comes with sin. Death came with sin. How's God going to handle that? And we really don't appreciate the death factor of Christ. That, that um, had, had Jesus not died, we still would have been legally 
married, as it were, to sin and married to Satan and married to the law. It's that death that that was our escape. Had Jesus not died, we would not have been able to escape. Let me give you a reference. Read Romans chapter 7, and it tells you that the law has dominion over a man so long as that man is alive. So is kind of a funny a funny coincidence. Is that why when you get married it says till death do us part? Uh, I, I maybe I, <laughs> <laughs> the only way you can get out of that legal contract is supposed to be by death. Uh, uh, yep, exactly. That so yeah, you're right. So when you when when Christ married the church and it's legally till death do us part, it, that that's what it, it means to me. It's like he married the church, and I think that's where that quote comes from for me. Yeah, and so the, here's the thing too to go along with that. He wouldn't have been able to, to, we wouldn't have been able to be betrothed to him or engaged to him because we were legally married to somebody else. Right. We were, so, and, the, and if you read Romans 7, the only way a legal contract, the only way the legal contract between humanity and sin, the only way to break that is through death. Because it even says that if a woman is, that is married to a man, leaves him and goes to another while, while without death, then she's going to be called an adulteress. So you could say that when Christ took on all of our sin and went to the cross and died, it was him taking our place, which broke that contract with sin that made us. That's why when we, when we get born again, our sins are forgiven. We become white as snow. Yep. Exactly. So, um, it, 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 it is a beautiful thing. In the mind of God, it is as if you never sinned. You are, I, I like to say it this way, when, when you go to heaven, when I go to heaven, you're not going to be any more righteous there than you are now. Because just as sin was conferred upon you, now, see there's only one righteousness. You either have it or you don't. There's no levels. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no. Is that, is that why sin is uh, a, a universal term? It doesn't matter if you, if you tell a white lie or if you commit murder. It's all the same under God's eyes. It's all. It's sin is sin, and so um, Jesus paid for that. And so going. So that's why he went to the cross. He walked this earth um, as a man. And we can t we'll talk maybe about that angle some other time. But he went to the cross representing you and me. And when, again, we want to uh, uh, stress and reemphasize that when he died, he had to die. That broke the legal contract as long as he can come back to life again. And so, for instance, Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy the works of the devil. So, in a sense, I, I believe that, that, that in the wisdom of God, that, that Christ tricked Satan or used or, or made it look like an ambush, made it look, because the Bible says that Jesus was crucified through weakness, but he lives by the power of God. Satan actually thought he had him and they all converged 
and 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 in this whole plan of redemption, Satan fell into a trap. He fell into an ambush. He actually was a tool by God, if if, if I can say it that way, in which Jesus was executed, but God was using, he, he was doing Jesus, he was doing God a favor because Jesus had to die and God wasn't going to kill him as it were. Satan was the one that thought he was killing him. And so um, he, he broke that power, died on the cross. And, and when he came back to life, Timothy tells us that Jesus abolished death. That's why when Jesus said, if you listen, if you believe in me, you'll never die. You'll never taste of death. And that tweaked out the Pharisees because, because Jesus actually not only took care of the sin problem, he's also taking care of the death problem. And one other thing that we'll talk about some other time, he took care of the Satan problem because Satan is still on the loose. And he still has his agenda and he still wants to make your family miserable. He still wants to make your marriage miserable. But Jesus going to the cross did something about him as well. And we'll talk about that sometime in the future. Well, we, we have we have still like uh, so a good amount of time. So let's go back to. So Jesus's ministry, his main part of his ministry started when he was 30 years old. 30 years old, that's what Luke says, yep. So, what what can we see and that people might not... Because everybody, everybody knows about the miracles starting from the water becoming wine. But can you tell us a little bit about Jesus as a young boy or a young man? Yes, I'd, lo- I'd love to. Uh, there's, there's different snapshots very abbreviated snapshots of christ one of them is the baby uh that's when the shepherds came for a very brief time so we get that little snapshot when the wise men came time had gone by and he refers to him as 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 uh, the child so he had grown he he was still uh, not a newborn baby but there's that little snapshot there's the birth then by the time the wise man came, he's he's now a child, a titler of, of some sort. Then we get another snapshot of Jesus at the age of 12, which which is very interesting because it calls him. It's the only scripture in Luke. I think it's in chapter three. It calls him the boy Jesus. And it even tells you how he grew up in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. And the lesson in that is, do you remember that's when he went to the father's house and he was missing for a few days and and so his parents had to go back and they said son don't you know that we've been looking for you and he said how is it that you were looking for me didn't you know that i must be about my father's business but some translations say um paraphrase it or my understanding is that he said why did you go looking all over the place where where else would i be but in, in the temple than in my father's house, yeah. So he was in the father's house and they were amazed at his questions and at his answers and his insights. And I wanna also add that, that at times the Jesus would say things like, haven't you read when he would talk to his detractors? Haven't you read when David, you know, did this or when, this? so David, Jesus had to read the scriptures and learn them himself. He had to study just like you, you and me. So. But the biggest lesson in terms of of the boy Jesus at the age of 12 
because we don't hear about him for until 18 years later, until he's 30 years old. So what did he do from the age of 12 to the age of 30? It tells you in Luke that he was subject to his parents. He learned to submit. He learned the hidden life. He was being prepared, which, which there's a beautiful lesson in that because a lot of us, if you're like me, sometimes we get anxious. We want to serve God. We want to do this and do that. And, but we're not ready yet. Now, if God, if you look at Jesus's life, he, he lived 30 years in obscurity. No, we don't know anything about him except for those little snapshots I told you. The rest of the time, God was preparing him. So why are we, are, why are we in such a rush? If God prepared his son for his mission and took 30 years to do it, let's give him some time to work so, in our lives. So, so he prepared, Jesus had to prepare 30 years for three years of ministry. And people want overnight, like, I can, I can do this, I can, no. <laughs> Get prepared, get, get ready, get studied up. Because he did take all those times. He did go into the temple and it only did give him a couple of snapshots of him actually asking questions and talking. So he must have been in there more than that, listening and learning and, and kind of deciphering like what God was telling him and, and my understanding of it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Yep. That's awesome. So we have we have him from twelve. Okay, so why was he a carpenter? That I you know that that I've never I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to tell I, I don't know. You, you know I you know they didn't have cars, so you couldn't have been we're a car salesman. We're gonna call this segment "Stump the Pastor." <laughs> <laughs> your your answer is as good as mine on that one. Um, I mean, did obviously he from however old you are when you're working in being a Jew obviously he had to make some money he probably had to contribute to the family he had to be a normal human and so I mean that's that was my my guess is that he had to make money yeah and he had three years that he was just gonna roam around and and teach and preach and stuff like that and it doesn't say that he lacked money it didn't even. It doesn't say anything about money, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he was just stockpiling, like that's that's what uh, that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> we stockpiling. So when we go out, I mean, you had to pay taxes and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it doesn't say that Jesus spoke to them and said there will be no taxes. So um, anyway, that was just a question that I had was why 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 carpenter, but. And kind of ironic that he was a carpenter and he died on wood. Yes, it did. So it was a family family business, no doubt. He learned he learned that trade from 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 his dad, and uh, he had to live uh, a, a normal life. You know, there's uh, some uh, what do you call the apocrypha uh, writings that had you know have him you know like having angels do his work and making you know doves out of clay you know and they're flying he didn't he didn't he, he's not david copperfield he, he you know he didn't he didn't do in in any miracles as a matter of fact uh john chapter 2 tells us that this is his first miracle that that he did so it tells you what his first miracle and then if you study it out you could pretty much come to um, one of his last miracles it probably was the healing of 
of uh, Malchias's ear, the one that uh, Peter do you, chopped off. Do you know how many miracles in the Bible there were? Or is it just too many to, like, is there a certain count that they talk about? Well, you, you stumped me again because, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't know the, I don't know the number, but I do know this, that, that John tells us at, at the end of his book, his beautiful book, that he only documented a certain portion of, of miracles. And that had had everything that he did been documented in his mind and his understanding. He said, "I don't think all the books in the world would be able to contain all." I remember that scripture. All, all that he did. So, in terms of of how many are recorded, I don't know. Maybe you could get that answer and, and send that in to us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I had another kind of statement of of that it was kind of funny to me and I, I heard this from an, another sermon that almost almost all the miracles that he performed consider had to have an action precede the actual healing like it wasn't like uh, Jesus just looked at you and said you're healed there was the woman that had to get to him there was the, the guys that, that were blind had to get to the water. There was there was some type of action. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that really kind of relates to Jesus just being human. It was like knowing for us when we want something from Christ, we have to step out and do that. Yes. We, we, we You know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. And James, the book of James teaches us that faith has to have action. And so um, there is always, um, we, you, you can't even become a Christian. You can't even get saved without an action. And that action is not works. That action is believing, you know. For God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe. That believing is an action word. It's, it's when you put your faith. Faith is, is an action word. Uh, but then there were sometimes there were times when 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 people initiated the miracle there was times when Jesus initiated the miracle uh, for instance in in mark 5 it was as you alluded to Ryan earlier it was the woman with the issue of blood who had suffered for for a number of years 12 years she was the it was her idea not Jesus's idea it was her idea she realized that if if I keep up this is probably what she was thinking if I keep up at this pace I'll die, I'm already broke, I'm gonna to have to do something. And so she initiated this whole thing and she pressed and touched Jesus's garment. Um, in John chapter five, it tells you about a man who had kept his bed, been bedridden uh, for I think 38 years. In that case, it wasn't the man's idea that brought the healing. It was Jesus's idea. That man didn't go to Jesus. Jesus went to him. So there's times that that that, and then there were other times where it probably happened um, in mass, where people were just. And I, I, we have, I have tons of scriptures right right now uh, that we'll maybe read another time. People were drawn to Jesus, and I think that part of the reason, the the main reason why they were drawn to Jesus. Um, of course, was was the miracles, but it was also going back again 
to it's all about Jesus because they knew, it, the, the, the crowds knew, maybe they weren't going to serve him and be disciples, but they knew that there was something different about him. He, he would not judge, he would not condemn. Um, and, and so it, it, there's a scripture, I think in, um, in Jeremiah, uh, with, with everlasting love have I drawn you. Love, the love of Christ is what drew them. Maybe they had selfish reasons for coming, but they, even the thief on the cross, if you read that, he was, both of those thieves were on the cross and they were both cursing at him and yelling at him and, 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 and tempting him. But eventually something happened to one of the thieves because he began to sense there was something different about him. And he, he said that. He said, this man doesn't belong here with us. Yep. We've committed these hideous acts and he's done nothing. And so here is this man, this thief on the cross, and and he said he he switched from a from a blasphemer. Just be next to him. And that's really what church is supposed to be about. Church is a place where, where we're to love God, love one another, but it's a place that when people come to, our goal as, as a church, the way uh, Medford Family Church and, and, and any God-fearing church should be, man, we want Jesus to be the Lord and center of this church. There's a scripture in, in Mark chapter two. It says, it, it says that it, when it was noised that Jesus was in the house, Mark chapter two, the place packed out. And so as a pastor, that is, is my goal is, is you, people have said, you know, we got to give the church back to God. We got to give the church back to the Holy Spirit. And my thought on that is that if I'm the pastor, I can't give the church back, back to, to God if he don't have me. How can I give him something that I'm not even giving him? So it begins with me. And so it goes back to what Paul said. I want to know him. When you make it your goal, your desire, that love begins to draw you to Jesus and you begin to be drawn to him. Prayer becomes a delight. It's not something that you have to do. Prayer is the stage by which we get to meet Jesus afresh every day and and the church is supposed to be a corporate gathering of of little jesus's people that that love god and when the sinner hears that jesus is in the house case in point again luke chapter 7 it says there was in that city a woman that was a sinner now hmm, a woman that was a sinner she probably was a prostitute or no doubt was immoral but she heard that Jesus was in that house. And she was willing to go into a hostile environment, the Pharisee's house, to be or to meet Jesus. Maybe she had already been met him before, I don't know. But whatever drew that thief to Jesus is the same thing that drew that woman to Jesus. Or what about John chapter eight, one of my favorite chapters in, in, in about Jesus. Um, the, the woman caught in adult, adultery. Remember, they tried to trap Jesus and Jesus wrote on the ground and, and they really had a good trap because they had scriptures. 
I was reading it this week. If a man and woman come to adultery, they shall be stoned. They literally took scriptures and gave it to Jesus. Like he didn't know. Yeah, like he didn't know. They thought they had him know because they had the verse. The problem was, it was the letter of the law because Jesus went into the spirit of the thing and he said, okay, fine. If that's the way you want to do it, whoever of you that has not sinned, go ahead and do that then. And then they got convicted by their own conscience. And then finally, at the end of that story, he said, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, neither do I condemn thee. And then he said, go and sin no more. And so to me, this is what Jesus is about. Jesus is about uh, not being condemned by him, but being loved and forgiven. And so Jesus made the statement in John, he said, if I be lifted up from the earth on the cross, I will draw all men unto me. Right now, and I believe that we are living in a prophetic time right now in which God is going to, is pouring out his spirit in a marvelous, marvelous way. And people all over are, are being drawn to Jesus. When we go out and talk to people on the streets and the highways and the byways, people love Jesus. Now there's, there's not, a, you know, I didn't say everybody, I said people love Jesus. There's just something about them. Um, there's just something about the love of God. And so I, I want to, to, to pray with you right now. And again, I want to encourage you that if you have any questions about you know what we talk about or maybe a topic that you'd like to see us talk about let us know so i can study a little bit and ryan can Drop study it in the comments put it in the comments and um and so we'll we'll, we'll get into that maybe maybe you know uh whatever we'll, we'll make it fun we'll make it exciting and and we'll do our best to answer your questions but that's the main point that i want to bring out today that we don't want to know uh, about jesus about jesus we want to know him. What was it that, that gave that woman forgiveness in John 8? What was it about Jesus that made that thief repent and, and be, you know, come into God's kingdom? What was it about that, that Jesus that, that caused that woman to risk her life to come to Jesus? That, that, that all she, she just wanted to touch him? Well, it's, it's, it, it looked to me too also that that's why Jesus became flesh so he could show by example of how the world should be like leading by example and that's kind of why like when he got persecuted he told the church you're gonna get persecuted yeah I mean that's why I think the cross too is because at that time that was one of the most inhumane ways to die is to and and they made it extra special because I didn't hear about anybody else having to carry their cross and getting beat and spit on and stuff like that. Like they it it they went out of their way to humiliate him. Yes. And so I, I think that's why everybody was so attracted to him because they could see that he was human. They can see that he was flesh. They could see that he um was just like them. Yes. But he also lived above 
the standard. Yes. You know, there's a scripture in, in Exodus, it's an inter interesting scripture. When God told, told Moses to go tell my people, he says, I know their sorrows. Uh, the Bible says, so he, how could God know his sorrows? Well, the only way God could really know our sorrows in, in perhaps a legal way is to become one of us. And so God or Jesus knows what it is to suffer. It says that he was tempted in all points like as we are uh, yet without sin, uh, but that he became human so that he could identify with our suffering and identify with our struggles and identify with our weakness because he became one of us. And so being one of us, uh, uh, he is able to, to lead us into victory and at the same time know through the suffering and the toil that we earthlings have to go through. So what I wanna do right now is that I wanna pray and I'm gonna just pray that God would, would, would your hearts would be stirred and, and when you read the Gospels in particular, that you would say like the Apostle Paul, I want to know Jesus more. And what we talked about was, was, was just so minute. Uh, uh, we can talk about the fact, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, like you were referring to, the eternal Son. I mean, what was He doing before He became? There, there are some, um, scriptures that 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 talk about that that he came from eternity and entered into the time zone uh, but we'll talk about that some other time father I pray God for your people your bride your church God should there be someone right now God that is desperate that is he maybe even thinking about throwing in the Christian towel Lord, because they have just been hurt, they've, they've struggled, and maybe they've been judged, or whatever hardships that they are going through. I pray for that one right now. Ryan and I agree in agreement that the Holy Spirit will touch them right now, and that they will have hope and joy and encouragement and strength in, in their souls, in their spirits. Father, I pray for those that perhaps know you and are walking with you, God, that they will be drawn to see you more. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, Lord, would you release an increase of hunger, God, that we would want to maybe turn off that TV program that may not be bad, but we just want to be with you. We want to be with you. We want to love you. We want to worship you. Lord, your coming is so soon. You're coming back for a bride. Lord, may we be ready. May we be found in our prayer closets, in church, or about the Father's business in some way. And so we say, even so come, Lord Jesus. We pray your blessing upon your people now. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll talk to you again next week. Again, this is Pastor Paul with my brother here, Ryan, and uh, we- So we're gonna do this every Friday? We are going to do this as, as long as this is the best time slot, we'll do it, we'll be consistent. Uh, 
uh, as much as possible to keep it at the same time. And so you can you can anticipate that we are going to be you know dialoguing and, and reading and, and talking the scriptures. So, so we're going to keep it real. We are going to keep it real. All right, we'll talk to you later. God bless you.